You're listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Kaffman. And today we're continuing in our series called Mission Foundations. This is a series where we're looking at scripture about missions, centered on missions, kind of examining those verses and, and talking through them. This is weird. We have a couple of microphones and I'm not like around the janky uh, setup. Yeah, well, this is legit. Have we up? You would say we've sort of upgraded to a real podcast. Well, we're in a new studio, too. Well, my new office. Sure. <laughs> which used to be the nursery. I finally got the diaper smell out of it, so now it's working real well for us. Which has been a huge improvement. I'm glad you did that before we hit record. So today we're looking at Isaiah, right? Well, talk about a transition. Isaiah, is that where we're going? Where are we going? Isaiah 6? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about Isaiah 6 this morning, where he's, you know, that famous saying, I think I saw it every mission trip in, in youth group, was the here I am, send me, you know, you're leaving high school, going off to college. I just I feel like it's on every song. poster. Isn't there a song about it? There's, There's got to be at least six songs, songs about it. get used in the mission <laughs> recruitment videos. That's right. Yeah. Well, should we talk about what that is? Let's yeah, uh, maybe look at it in context, I guess. Let's do that. Why not, um, right? Because here's, I guess, the question that I always like to ask. Is this the right video to send to high school students to say this is going to be super great? And Or uh, if not me, will no one go? Right. Knowing the context. Sure. I think it's good. I think it's good if we know the context because I think it promotes greater faithfulness, but I think most of the time, and I'll ask you, before I go into context, I'm going to ask you, Josiah, did you ever uh, go on a mission trip because you thought, well, I've got to go, and if no one goes, you know, then no one's going to get saved, and oh, have, you, for sure. have you been recruited yeah, by this? There's some waiting list there, you know, with these coffee mug scripture verses. Well, okay, but. let's look at it. So, uh, I, I wish Jared were here having his PhD from the book of Isaiah oh, studying yeah. in that, but... I guess it's going to have to be me. Okay, here uh, we go. Isaiah 6. I'm just going to read through this a little bit. Uh, verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. Uh, they each had six wings. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. With two they flew. Uh, and one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. I mean, this is like a crazy scene. This is the glory of God being displayed to Isaiah. And then here's his response, which is always probably the appropriate response when we see the glory of God. Oh, yeah. Because we see from our own sinfulness. So his response is, um, uh, verse 5, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of Armies. Like, I have seen something pure, I've been in right. the presence of this, and my sinfulness deserves to be crushed. Oh, yeah. Right. So anytime, I mean, you see this all it's the time. It's the way to the, the sin. Yeah. yeah. So when people go, yeah, I was just hanging out, and, and uh, God showed up, and you know, told me this, or told me that, I need to do this, I'm now the new guru, I'm the new cult leader, I'm the new whatever. Like, I've, I've never heard this in any of those I've been to heaven videos where they just like fell on their knees. I and thought I was doomed. Like, no, that's all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think in light of that level of uh, perfection and truth and glory and love and the whole oh, yeah. bit, we can't, it's overwhelming. And anyway, so then what does God do in that overwhelming situation? Luckily, he doesn't crush Isaiah. That should give us hope. Uh, verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with, the to- with tongs. 
He touched my mouth with it and said, Now uh, that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sins are atoned for. Which I think is a little bit of a picture of you know, what Christ will do on the cross. Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who should I send? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. This is where we usually end. Right. And this sounds amazing. Now yeah. that I've seen the glory of God and I've been cleansed, I'm going to go tell everybody about it. I'm They're fired gonna, up. I'm yeah, I'm fired up. Which he is fired up. Sure. And he does want to tell everyone about it, which is exactly the heart we should have. So I don't want to, I don't want to downplay that. No. That's exactly what we should be doing. And then it goes here, uh, verse 9. And he replied, go, say to these people, oh good, he's giving us the message by which it should be proclaimed. Keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make the minds of these people dull, deafen their ears, and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their minds and turn back and be healed. So here's the mission. Isaiah, I want you to go. I want you to preach. Right. Their eyes are going to be blind. They're not going to see it. Their minds are going to be dull. Basically, they're going to reject you. No one's going to get saved. They're actually going to hate your message. And that's your mission. Are you ready for it? And his response, you want to read that? Verse 11. Then he says, until when, Lord? Uh, how long? <laughs> And he replied, until cities lie in ruins without inhabitants, houses are without people, the land is ruined and desolate, and the Lord drives the people far away, leaving great emptiness in the land. This is encouraging. Right. <laughs> Though a tenth will remain in the land, it will be burned again, like the terebinth or oak that leaves the stump when felled, the holy seed is the stump. Um... I kind of wish I had read this before. Here I am! <laughs> Send me! I wouldn't have felt so bad on the mission trip when a thousand people didn't get saved. Well, I think that's the heart of this, is his heart is, I mean, his desires are right. Right. And then God says, here's the mission. And the question now is, are you still going to go? Right. Are you still going to do it? Or are you only going because, you know, you're going to start a revival? Right. Or are you only going to go to that hard place and plant a church only if it's going to be the biggest, greatest, awesome church in that community and you're going to be the newest mega church leader? Will you do it if nobody gets saved? You preach for six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen years. The church limps along. Your family and five other people are a part of it. You continue to proclaim the gospel to the community and you never get a church started. Will you go? Yeah. That's a tough, that's a tough call right there. That's a... That's a difficult question. I feel like when people share visions that God's given them, it's always about these great revivals or great big mega church things or, or big, you know, outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And I don't see a lot of people saying, "Yeah, God told me I'm going to go. I'm going to struggle for like 47 years. It's going to be difficult, but that's what He wants me to do, and let's get after it." Which we have some pretty amazing missionary stories that that is their story. Yeah, you know, I mean, Charles Simeon was a Charles pastor. Simeon, good one. 47 yeah, years of, of difficulty. You know, it was back when the. There were doors on the pews, and his parishioners locked the pews because they didn't want him to be this pastor. That's the kind of thing that would drive me out. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm picking up the want ads. This guy just hunkered down and stayed. What you told me is I'm supposed to go somewhere else, except God hasn't told me that. Right. So I guess I'll do this. I, like Adoniram Judson. I think these guys right. that go into these places, and they just work and toil, and, and they see nothing come of it. But years later, right. God does something. Who was that guy that went, I'm drawing a blank. He went, and he was murdered. Uh, Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott. Jim yeah. Elliott. <laughs> Nobody's getting saved with the Algonquin. Uh, Algonquin. Uh, no, Algonquin. No, yeah. those are the people that Jonathan Edwards, I think, oh. was uh, I forgot the name of those people. But, yeah, he didn't have any. Like, 
There were no fruits when he was alive. He gets murdered, and then other people go and actually reap the seeds from the, his harvest. Right. So. Right, but and I think that's what's happening here. We're still reading from this vision that Isaiah was given, right. and he still was called to be faithful. Who's going to go and proclaim my message of truth, regardless of the results? Yeah. And I don't think we go that far in those mission recruitment videos, <laughs> but I think this is absolutely significant in mission work. Right. Isaiah was called to go proclaim truth. It's the same truth. We're called to go proclaim truth, but we're not guaranteed the results. And so if we go with the wrong attitude in mission... I think we've missed the point altogether. Then it's not really a faithfulness. It's a, I'm going to see my success. Right. Post, I'm going to proclaim truth. And uh, to be honest, I mean, that was kind of how I viewed Christianity early on was, you know, me and Bill, you know, what I would look like, what my legacy would be and stuff, rather than what's God's legacy and, and his kingdom. Well, this is a, a, a large reason why when I look at these small towns and I see a pastor who has a church of, you know, let's say you see somebody in a town of a thousand people, and there are five hundred people going to that church, yeah. or two hundred and fifty people attending that church, faithfully serving, faithfully giving, going on mission trips, uh, discipling one another, being a, a good for that small town community. Then that pastor goes to a conference where he's sitting next to pastors who pastor churches of ten thousand and and fifteen thousand and huge whatevers, and everybody just sort of looks at that pastor like, not everybody. I don't want to overgeneralized but they go hey you know you're doing pretty good work there but here's what's really going down you're like wait a second that dude is way faithful and so is the guy who's in a town of 10,000 people and there's not much of a Christian witness I can think of churches across the you know the northeast churches across the west right or some other foreign country they have a little tiny church maybe it's even in a house church they're proclaiming the gospel week in and week out and we overlook that because we have the same heart for sure. Is he faithful? You know, Isaiah, he's preaching the word, but nobody's getting saved. Is he? I think we miss so much when we don't understand the context of what Isaiah was tasked to do. Right. Which is a really awful task. Oh, it's difficult, and I think we, we don't spend the time to really look at those stories. You know, I was amazed when I heard that, uh, you know, 47 churches here in, in Utah and Idaho were planted one, by one guy or helped started by one guy I had never heard of, you know, right. and yeah. he had such a huge kingdom impact. I'm reminded of the book uh, Dr. Orge wrote, Shadow Christians, that really talks about, you know, shameless plug for my seminary president, but talks about <laughs> just people that are all overlooked, like the vast majority of us are shadow Christians that no one's ever going to read about in the history books, but are having huge impacts on the kingdom just by being faithful to what God's called us to do. Which in that concept of like the shadow, we're not in the limelight. Right. We're just faithfully head down serving. Here's the thing about this that I think we really need to understand. Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord. That's what compelled him to say, I will serve. I will do something. Uh, he was moved by it. I think a lot of times people see the potential of their own kingdom, their own glory. Right. Now, that's not to say everybody. I mean, big ministries no. are not just because people were selfish and did whatever, because other people had huge ministries. I mean, I think of Moses. Like, he, had, he was pastoring a mega church, really. <laughs> really. He didn't really love it, right? Uh, right? So it's not always the case, but I think out of seeing the glory of God, we should be compelled to answer the call to mission. Right regardless of the circumstances. So that takes me to like, you know, guys who go out on the mission field through the IMB or some of these other mission organizations. They're they're moved by God. Right. They're absolutely convinced they've got to share with others, tell others. And and if they're doing it from the sense that we see Isaiah doing it, 
They're doing it out of a sense of the glory of God, not out of the results. And I think that's what's so important. Because of this glory, no matter what the results are, I will serve. Because uh, we're not saying this to say that God's always going to send you to a difficult you know, mission field. He might right. not. You might be super blessed and, and, and just see an incredible outpouring. But the question is, are you going to be faithful regardless? Either way. You know? <laughs> well, how does this... Okay, so, so we're here in Utah. But how do you see this sort of thing play out um, in places like this? We don't have a lot of Christian churches no. in Utah. We don't no, really. have... I mean, we don't have even a lot of church plants that just take off and become big. If they remain faithful to preaching the Bible, they just faithfully trug along. So uh, when you see people coming out here, and of course I'm not going to broad brush everybody, or they go to these hard places, or let's just say some country that doesn't have a lot of work. Right. Um, what do you see here in light of what we're seeing there? Do you do you think that that, well, let me rephrase the question. How important is it that the glory of God is the motivator for going to hard places? It, it's it's key. It's vital. Because anyone can go. You know, I see a lot of people go. But the question is, not only can you go, but can you stay? Oh, you know, yeah. I heard a pastor say the other day, until God tells you to go somewhere else, he hasn't changed your call, right? And that's what we saw in Charles Simeon's life. Like, he didn't hear God say, okay, go somewhere else. So even though he wasn't seeing the result from the people that he wanted to see, he was confident in the fact well, that God had called him to stay there. Look at the, so go back to, uh, let's see, uh, this is what's going to happen, verse 11. Right. Then I said, Isaiah said, For how long? How long? <laughs> and this is how long. Yeah. Until all the cities are ruined and have nobody living in them. Wait, right. am I going to be the last person in town? Like, I mean, okay. Uh, until the land is ruined and desolate. Everybody's been either killed, hauled off, moved away. What You know, at this point he's going, what does this mean? Yeah. Right? Uh, it's a prophetic vision moving forward. but And then the Lord, so this is what's really crazy, verse 12, and the Lord drives the people far away. Wait, you have me preaching the truth of the gospel, and they're all leaving? Right. Well, the Lord's driving them into eventually into exile, numerous things. But you've got me preaching the truth, which is important. The people aren't going to hear. Because of it, they're going to be under your judgment, but basically you're heralding Isaiah going to herald the indictment. Right. How long? Till there's nobody left. Yeah. I mean that. So what you're saying is like, can you stay till there's nobody? Right. Would Charles Simeon, I know probably would have, preached uh, to a completely empty church. Now he had people standing in the doorway, standing yeah. in the pews, that did want to hear. But what if, what if they didn't? <laughs> would he stay? Yeah. That'd be tough. Would I stay? I mean, that's even a harder question. You yeah. Know, I think. We don't even want to keep Bible studies going <laughs> when they're you know down right. to two or three people. Yeah. You know, but, try and then we throw something else at the wall and see if that sticks. You know, and, yeah. And so, um, but I'm reminded, you know, of Isaiah 66. You know, we all talk about going, but I, th- I heard Alistair Begg preach a sermon on Isaiah 66 that really talks about the type of person that God wants us to send. I think he called it the HST degree because you see in verse two, uh, he said, "My hand made all these things, and so all came into being." This is the Lord's decoration. I will look favorably on this kind of person. One is humble submissive in spirit and trembles at my word you know are we that way are we humble submissive in spirit and trembling at the word of god so i guess this would take me to ask this question is the is the i here i am send me uh heart is that more for the people who will hear the gospel or the people who are going with the gospel i think in this case i mean it's both but i think in this case when we go on mission 
or when we feel compelled right. in that way, a lot of it is more about this is going to be good for me to learn and to grow yeah. and to continue seeing the glory of God, even if it's in judgment or a dry season. I think there's a sense that a lot of times we go, and yes, we're selfish in some ways. Hey, I get to go to a cool country. I get to right. take awesome pictures and post them on my <laughs> social media. I get to have an experience. But I think there's really a truth in it that I get to go and grow. Right. And I get to see God work. And God may or may not do a mighty work in people, but I'm going to start with just me being faithful. Because yeah. how can you expect someone else to be faithful to the gospel call if you're not even faithful in your own <laughs> answering of when you see God's glory? Right. I think that's what's at the heart of a lot of this. Absolutely. I know we all selfishly want to see what God's plan is for the next 5, 10, 15 years. And I think a big reason that God never reveals that kind of stuff to us is we wouldn't, we wouldn't we push wouldn't forward. We wouldn't go through with it because it's in those difficult seasons that God really grows us. You know, there was a season in my life where I really fell trapped to the prosperity gospel. And so I got so frustrated when life was difficult or I wasn't, you know, it wasn't you easy street. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't <laughs> prospering. But when I look back on my life, I'm like, oh, that's where God was growing me and developing me and still is in those seasons. So I think a lot of people struggle with that when they answer calls to various ministry. Oh, yeah. Are you willing to get three or four people, five people, and just do a Bible study for right. 10 years? Yeah, but what if it's not the big, hot, popular thing? Well, are you willing to lead uh, next-gen youth when it's four kids? Show me what you can do with these four kids. And yeah, you're not going to have the youth of 50, you know, the, right. the group of 50 kids. Or I really feel called and compelled to pastor a church. Okay, what if it's one of those churches that has 12 people that are 70-something years old limping yeah. along? If that's the call, are you willing to do what it takes to do that? Now, also, you could be called to something really big, something really, I mean, we do see that in Which, the Bible, too. Those things have their stresses, too. Let's, you know, you might talk to a pastor of a megachurch that goes, man, I'd kill to only have 12 people right now. Oh, I wish, <laughs> I, wish I was the only guy floating around in the building. But the, the heart of both of them should be that faithfulness. Yeah. I've seen the glory of the Lord. I will serve when he calls. Who will go for me? Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll go. I'll do it. So I think there's some value in that. I think that should be the heart of, of all of this, and I think that should be the premise of of sending mission trips or, or making videos is we were looking for faithfulness in the call to go without concern for the results. For sure. Right. Yeah. All right, I think, so, I, I, think I covered it. I mean, there there's, we could probably keep talking about we it. We probably could. At the end of the day, wherever God's calling you, go where you're sent, stay where you're put, and do what you're asked. And you know, God will be glorified in it. So. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.